Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to Nathan James, Global Brand Creative Manager at Merino-based apparel brand Icebreaker. Nathan's been in the creative industry for over 25 years, and he's worked in some of the world's most iconic cities on some of the world's most iconic brands, Nike, Google, Air New Zealand, Ikea, and Coca-Cola, to name but a few. Prior to joining the team at Icebreaker, Nathan was Digital Director and Head of Content at TBWA and Digital Creative Director at Saatchi & Saatchi. He also founded and ran his own advertising agency, Corp Studio. He writes and edits commercials and has even completed a screenplay. If that wasn't enough, he's apparently a marine mammal medic and he produces and presents a radio show on Base FM. Thanks for joining us, Nathan. Thank you, Ben. So, so give me the potted history of your career because that's, that's pretty varied. Um, there's, been, there's a lot to it, right? Yeah, so I started, um, I started about the age of 10 realising that I was going to make films basically right very lucky in that respect i knew from the off what i was going to be doing and um i went to fashion school mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. it was fun <laughs> not really to do any, to do fashion but just because it was in london right. and, I, and then i just got a job as a runner because i knew that was my path and so what's, just, what's what's a runner a runner is someone who makes coffee and tea who yeah. gets biscuits for meetings and gets the lunches good and from there i just started to get into the industry and i was running for a production company doing sort of a little bit of production mm -hmm. and this agency moved in upstairs in this little tiny little office in Soho Square and the agency was an agency called Mother which is a massive mm. international independent yeah, yeah, yeah. agency now yeah so they moved in and I was their first employee and it just went from there well so so you were Mother's first employee I was mother's mother's first employee yes I mean that's your introduction isn't it yeah, that's your claim exactly. to fame. it's my claim to fame so okay so so then so from there um how did you how did you I suppose grow through the through the industry so I I started as a basically as a runner for mm -hmm. Mother, yeah. and then I started to just write for them as a creative person. I just started to do proactively start writing mm. bits and bobs for them, and then they started to brief me on things. And then I moved to another company called St Luke's, which at the time was a, another very fashionable agency. Mm. Um, and I was there as just a TV producer. Okay. And then I met a guy who was a art director, and I started to write for him. Yeah. So we became a partner a partnership team, which is a classic old school advertising thing yep 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 um but i realized quite early on that it was quite limiting just working with one person mm. so probably about three years in i split from my partner and just started to limp it onto other people so i'd work with it if i was doing animation i'd work with animators if i was doing you know photography i'd work with photographer i wouldn't just work with another person that's and quite it, an interesting path though because pretty non-linear so a bit of yeah, production there was no one bit of creative. there was no one around doing that though everyone was just sitting in 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 what i did everyone was sitting as a team and they just were responsible for writing and art directing stuff yeah and I kind of realized early on that that was really limiting so and then I just learned skills basically I just learned everything and I, I'm, I'm a person who really likes to learn <laughs> I still do I still learn but in in bigger markets like the UK um, people's roles tend to be quite clearly defined right this is yeah. this is what you do you do this part of the thing so so how 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 did you I suppose carve a niche for yourself being not that um, did you just become known in the industry for your skill set? Yeah, I mean, I, to be fair, I didn't. I did a lot. I've done a lot more recently. Like mm -hmm, I've learned mm -hmm. cameras and I've learned edit and everything in the last what, five, six years. Yeah. So I didn't know that before. But yeah, I think it was. It's funny. I worked for the companies that actually liked that role. 
Mm. Whereas, like big corporates, the bigger agencies wouldn't have that person in. I mean, I struggle here mm. for mm. that reason because there's very few opportunities for someone like me because they don't really understand. People don't understand how you can do all of these different things because surely you have to be good at one of them. But mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's subjective, yeah, yeah, <laughs> ultimately yeah, you right. can't really be good at one of them. You can be, you can be knowledgeable, and that's helpful. I think that's. Where I, what I realised was the more knowledge I had, the more helpful I was, and it wasn't about where I was like, how good or bad I was. It was just yeah. experience means that you do things better. Yeah, okay. So, so if you, so, 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 you know, the focus of this podcast is sales and marketing. So let's talk, you know, really clearly about marketing and communications and the world that you you sort of work in. I suppose if someone, someone was coming new into the industry, what would be the advice you'd give them? Things to things to bear in mind. I think that the same as what I did, which is just learn as much as you can and just try everything out. So what I think a lot of people are really frightened to do something because if, if it's wrong, they might somebody might look at them and think they've done something wrong. Or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but actually, it's really important to get over that and just try stuff and learn stuff. So I did what five years ago. I rang up a man who taught me how to DJ, and then I hired a studio, like a radio studio that was paid by the hour called Planet FM, yeah, yeah, that's which is right. in Unitech. Yes. And I was doing radio DJ and having absolutely no clue what I was doing, like an idiot, and people were <laughs> laughing at me, but I was, I just didn't, it didn't matter, because I learned yeah, yeah, yeah. how to do radio, and then I went to Base FM and I've got a show, so I now have a legitimate Base FM radio show, just from trying it, because I wanted to do it. And there's a lot, a lot of people would be too frightened to do that, and it's, you just have to get over it and just try it. Why do you think they are frightened to do stuff like that? I don't know. I've never been. So, so, so with with marketing, marketing. Um, I mean, my experience of talking to business owners is often that it's it, there's a lot of nervousness around it and don't want to get it wrong. And yeah. So, so is that is that your advice, just to give things a go? I think you have to give. Yeah, you have to really just give things a go and try it. And if it goes wrong, you just learn. And that's, that's the, it is the best way to learn. It's a cliche, but getting it wrong is the best way to learn how to do it right. And I think if you don't repeatedly get it wrong, <laughs> you're not going to progress. Yeah, yeah. As far as you possibly could, and I think that's that's true of you know just doing whatever marketing that likes Facebook or Instagram or what, you know doing social marketing is the same. You just try stuff because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just a flow of things that it's just stuff, and you can get it wrong and right, and it doesn't really matter. So Nathan, you've worked in um, a number of different marketing agencies, big, small, um, local, and overseas. So. What should be some of the things um, our listeners should think about when looking for external help with some of their marketing challenges? I think you've got to look at it um, in respect to their interest in your business and their then understanding of your business and the requirement that you have for the help. So if it was a marketing requirement, then why? They should be very interested in why the what they're doing is actually and how, why and how what they're doing is actually going to affect the bottom line. And I think that's... Rather than just doing stuff like let's just do some stuff, mm-hmm. you need to actually mm-hmm. they need to be aware of why it's why they're doing it, and then what the effect is. What, what's the benefit to, to the ultimately to the person's going to be? I think often that gets missed. I, I mean, that, that's something that, in my experience of working with you, I think that sets you aside from you know lots of peers in in the industry because you do focus on the bottom line. Yeah. Whereas lots of people don't. Lots of people just focus on the outputs. Yeah. You know. So I, I mean, I I often get not annoyed, I suppose, but it often bemuses me that. Um, you'll see advertising companies putting out PR releases when they do a piece of work. Mm, mm, mm. Whereas actually what they should be doing is putting out a PR release when the piece of work's been out in the market and proven to have worked or not. Because yeah, that's yeah. the important bit. Like doing your job <laughs> is just your job. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. kind of, it's funny, you never get, a lawyer would never go, we're going to court. <laughs> you yeah, know, it'd be yeah. the end of the process, which is 
we learned this and this is the this is the result yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think off marketing often celebrates the subjective thing but not actually the the thing that works i'd much rather see reports on which things worked and why because mm, 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 mm. no one's really no one really does that right you don't get a, a publication that says this is a, this is what this campaign went out and it was out for this long and this is what happened you just don't get it which is crazy because that's the point <laughs> i mean i mean the, there are there are effectiveness awards aren't there? there you know there are creativity awards and there are effectiveness awards maybe the effectiveness awards are a good place for people to start to yeah get i mean a sense I, of who's doing stuff that that works yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I'd also be cautious of those though, because they're often. I mean, awards are a system, and systems can be cheated, and mm -hmm. they often mm -hmm. are cheated. I mean, I've never, personally, never been that interested in entering awards. I've got a lot. I've won awards, but not through my own entering. My clients have entered. I've always mm -hmm. said, if you want to enter the work, you enter the work. Right. <clears throat> I'm personally not that bothered, but because it just, again, it's so subjective that you can just work it. And a lot of those things are based on fluffy, beautiful films that describe how awesome the thing was with lots of numbers that don't really make any sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's really, I mean, it's, yeah. So you have to still be careful that you're not, the effectiveness is not being cheated by the cheats. So, so I, think, I, think, <laughs> I, I think this is a really important area to talk about actually, the difference between, you know, fluffy, fluffiness and outputs and results. Yeah. So so what what are some of the things, you know, when people are thinking about their, their own marketing activity, what what approach you know do you do you advise people to take how, how do they work out what's right for them because because very often um people can get swept along by you know the fun of something i or think the you, again you have to ask the questions like you'd see a video that says we got 50 million impressions but mm -hmm. then i think you have to go what is what actually did that mean right like how many because you can if you put a piece of put a video up on facebook or google it can be seen by lots of people but not actually watched because they just scroll through it yeah yep. you need to ask those questions like is it being actually watched is it being watched to the end you know is someone settling on that for a certain amount of time rather than just going oh my god look we've got all these we've, all these people have come here what's yeah, yeah, yeah. actually the what's the result of that and why, why is that view important to yeah. your business and yeah. your bottom line exactly and what yeah what's the what's the person who's seen it going to do that's yeah, yeah. beneficial to you yeah 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 right because there's still no one's ever, ever in the 25 years I've done this, give me a piece of paper with, this is the formula to how this works. Like it's mm -hmm. just not. Is it the creative idea? Is it the media? Mm -hmm. Is it the mm -hmm. color? Is it just because it's trendy? Like no one's actually gone. There isn't a formula. It's just impossible to write that down. Well, like you were saying before, it's about trial and error and finding yeah. out what's right yeah. for you, isn't it? Yeah. And also being and being culturally relevant, I think, is really important as well to think about what's happening in people's lives. The people you're talking to aren't interested in marketing. They don't care about marketing. They don't care about your brand. <laughs> they no, care about no. football or sausages or wine or whatever. And I think it's really important to, if you're going to talk to a group of people, it's really important that you work out what, at the point that you're going to talk to them, what they're looking at, what they're doing, where they are. How do you, how do you make sure, so you're working at Icebreaker, how do you make sure, for example, that they, they're aware of where their brand really fits into people's minds and what they're thinking about and so what, what they care about? What, I mean, what a really good basic thing to do is just do a cultural calendar of the audience that you're talking to. So if you're talking to gamers and you go, right, and this month this game's going to be launched, this month this game's going to be launched, oh, look, there's this thing, this electronic show going on here, mm -hmm. and work out what their, map out their, their year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you're going to approach them in November, you go, actually, in November it's relevant to be doing, I don't know, fighting games. So let's do yeah, something yeah, around yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. As an example, it's that's something I've always done is with the companies is to plot out the audience's cultural calendar, their peers possibly cultural calendar mm -hmm. and then the brand's cultural calendar yes. what's the brand up to yep. and then the brand's marketing plan and you might match all those up on a big thing on the wall and you start to get a really clear picture of where's a really good opportunity to 
you know you don't want to you not you don't want to approach a football fan on the FA Cup final day. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. Why would you do it? So you, just, you can map around, and that gives you a the time to to talk to them, and b the time not to talk to them. It's interesting because often that that sort of activity gets sort of farmed out to a media agency. You do that for the channel planning, but actually it's more fundamental than that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a brand, any brand should do that. Like mm. any, even small brands. Mm, mm, mm. If you're a baker on K Road, yeah, you can't really need to know what's going on on K Road because then you can maximise your opportunity to sell your baps. So, looking looking back over your career, um, what would be a few a few of the achievements you're you're proudest of? Particular pieces of of work, for example. It's an interesting one because I think it's like we talked about before. It's easy to get caught up in the glitzy thing. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people say, oh, they made this film and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I've actually, through the years, worked out that I really enjoy the process. And the end is really important, but it's not the glitzy thing that's the end, it's the result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to aim for the result rather than the glitzy thing and yeah. be part of the whole process. And I think I'm most proud of the things that I've done that have been all the way through and worked. Like just being, you know, just and, and worried about the outcome. In fact, one of the most the things was the ASB light clone. Which was that was. I was going to mention it. If you as a result, as a really it was a results-driven item, and it's such a shame that no one saw the actual potential of that. Light clone was a very simple five, ten years, eight years ago. About that, yeah. Very simple Facebook mechanic, which was a it's a piece on Facebook, and they had a, a ASB's uh, mortgage rate it was displayed, and if you liked the mortgage rate, it dropped. And one of the people that liked the mortgage rate that day got the end mortgage rate for a period of time. And all of the other ones who liked it got a special offer yeah, and contacted so the, later. The, the, the thing that I liked about that was exactly, you go, actually one person's going to be really happy and there's some really nice PR, but we're, we're getting hundreds of emails mm, about mm. people who are interested in mortgages. Yeah. So there was two things that I think that missed on. One was the ability to then contact all those people properly and farm them for better rates. Yeah. But B, also I think the advertising agency that created it could have sold that mm. idea to every market in the world. And no one thought to do it. Mm. No one thought, mm. well, let's copyright this, own it, and then the the people who paid for it, like the bank, could have earned money from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> By farming it out to you know, there's banks all over the world that would do. Because because the fundamental business problem there was you had a commoditized product yeah. that that pretty much every bank's loan was the same. So how did you get engagement and get people to engage with yeah. that brand over others? Wasn't but it? The, I mean, the ultimate thing for me that was the challenge to me was how do I make a Facebook-like value? Because it was so much, there were so many things that were just like, 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 but it's meaningless because yes. there's nothing in it. Whereas yeah. actually, what we did was made, we actually proved that you can make that like of a, 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 a commodity that's valuable to a business. I remember sitting inside the bank, um, looking at that database as it grew because it was unbelievable the number of people giving their details yeah. and wanting to be contacted by yeah. a bank to talk about a home loan, which yeah. is just, just doesn't no, happen. No, yeah, exactly. And that could have been, I mean, you imagine how big that would have been in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no one thought to go, actually, we could just sell this. We could package it up and sell it and make money. So what, what, what else? What, what other things have you done that you're particularly proud of? I think what's interesting is that I also realised that if I put all my creativity into reliance on my clients to decide whether it was good or bad, mm. I lost my passion for it. So I decided that's why I do all my side projects. So I decided early on that doing side projects was a really good way to not have all of my creative in the hands of other people because mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. It, as a younger person and an inexperienced person that really annoyed me that people wanted to change the colour right 
yeah, yeah, I want to change the color. I don't want to change the color. It doesn't matter. You get really cross about it. But then you go, actually, if I do all these other things outside, mm. then like I'll write a film and I'll do my radio show and I'll do all this other stuff. Then actually, the the emphasis on that single thing becomes less. So therefore, you're much freer to work with the person rather than against them. If you are, if you sit in a room with a, if you're getting a presentation like a da da, and all of their work is all in this one thing, the pressure on that is huge, right? And you and as a person who's received those presentations, you realise. That by you could say something, just everyone gets upset, or they get their life. As a creative, how do you give a given that context? How do you how do how should people best work with creatives? Because you need to be able to say, give feedback, right? But you need to do it in a way that's constructive and I gets think, to a good outcome. I think it's a really important that you have that conversation around. Like it's an important thing to have that conversation with the creative person to say, what else do you do? Like what gauge try and gauge like what what are you interested what do you love what you know because I think if if you if you as a creative person think that that person's in, the other person's interested in what you're up to mm. then you're going to be much more much more open to collaboration with them I right, think and not right. being certain it won't be so against against do yes. you see what I mean yes I do because I mean it's not it, for me I have so much other stuff going on that I I don't have the pressure anymore like I, and I don't have and I now understand from doing this for so long that actually the reason it's blue doesn't actually really matter mm. it matters to the client or it matters to someone else Yeah. but to me it doesn't really make any difference it's not, not going to change I mean, the thing ultimately your, your job as a creative is to make a recommendation and yeah. say this is what I think is going to achieve that outcome the best Yeah. but the client I suppose always has the prerogative to say yes or no yeah absolutely that. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I, the, probably the inherent tension isn't it there's always you know you, you you, you ha- you're very rarely going to get a piece of work presented and straight through with no changes. Yeah. But I suppose it's a question of how, what difference those changes make. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and that's always again questions. Why? Why? Why do you think? So I do that. To, you know, I did that yesterday. I had changes on a video I'd made, and I the, literally the question is why do you th- what is the what do you think that's going to change in the bottom line? Mm. Do we need mm. to spend mm. two hours of our yeah. time, pay time, yeah. changing this color of this one little thing? Is that actually going to affect? Well, I think, I think often people give feedback because they feel, I've added something to the process, I've, yeah. I've, I've given yeah. a comment, but yeah. actually, you're right, when you question it, it doesn't necessarily no. need to be done. No. It's not going to no, make it, it's, no not, proof. it's not going faster. No, exactly. And so, and, then, and that works both ways, though, because for me, it's a, there's an 80 20% rule, which I think mm. a, lot of, a lot of people ignore, which is a really important rule. So this is you get 80% of the way really quickly, and the 20% takes forever and is a laborious, slow process that's costly. Yeah, and you yeah. don't have to do the 20%. You can get to 81 yeah. 2%, and the work's going to do exactly, pretty much exactly the same job for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, the tendency in agencies is to, is to say craft is really important because mm. craft is inexpensive, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah, if crafting yeah. this ad for four weeks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to make it perfect is actually going to make no difference to your bottom line at the end of the day. Like you might may, may, maybe two more sales, I don't know, but you, you just spent a lot more money on an idea that you didn't really need to spend that much money on because it's just an idea and you could shoot it on your iPhone and stick it up and you get as much engagement. Well, and that's and that's where choosing the right partner becomes yeah. really important. Yeah. Because, you know, for some for some clients that's important to them, and yeah. for others it's just not. Yeah. And especially now, I mean, like I'm I've just literally sold my camera equipment and I'm just using my phone now to shoot because there's just no the, the actual difference when I'm watching something on YouTube from shooting on a high end camera to a, on iPhone is just minimal. Is that right? Yeah, really is minimal. And now that you can get lenses and things. It's you know you, it's anyone can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So look. Last couple of questions. The, f- the first one, I think, is so you've you've worked with um, you know you've worked with big corporate businesses and you've worked with smaller brands. Is there anything that big businesses know that small ones don't, or vice versa? 
small ones notice that they can be nimble mm-hmm. and fast and big businesses are really slow and lumbered cumbersome and expensive but big businesses have more access to statistics and not knowledge and data mm-hmm. which smaller businesses probably don't have access to and that's a, a prime example of that is like YouTube doesn't doesn't work with small businesses they only work with big ones yeah because yeah. they make more money so that the business don't get the you know like working with a bigger company you'll get all the insights into how things work whereas you don't get that as a small business unfortunately unless you find it. I mean you can find it if you search you can find it but you won't have you won't have lunches with the, the guy who runs YouTube because yeah, yeah. they've got no business interest in you they want to be the big fish yeah yeah, yeah. and that's so, that's where the meat is all the data is actually where the stuff is now because that's proof that stuff works or not but, what, but why are those big businesses why are they um, why are they cumbersome what, what, what is it that stops them slows them down people layers just people people layers and, and too many involved or the type of people or uh, there's just too many levels there's just layers that you don't need to have it's just people I think people feel like they have to make decisions about things that are not really that important yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, make yeah, themselves yeah. feel important and I think that slows processes down I have what seven seven layers maybe to deal with right okay seven layers yeah and whereas yeah. when I had my own business I had one yeah 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> and that yeah, just yeah. slows things down I'm not it's not a, it's a, you have to have it you can't have a big business without layers but mm. the process is just so much more slow do you find that um, are there any businesses you don't have the name particular ones but any ones who, who um, structure better to kind of get a bit more a bit more nimble and a bit more autonomy or, or is it a fairly common thing that they're, they're it's a very common thing yeah okay because it's hard to, you've got to be multitasked to be able to take the layers away. And that, yeah. that's very, very hard to find. Okay, well, look, this has been awesome. Thank you. Um, at the end of these these interviews, we, we sort of end with one last question, which is if there were a single piece of advice you'd give, give to our listeners that they could go in action tomorrow, what would that piece of advice be? Go learn something new possibly about how to make your business better, like go and learn how to read YouTube statistics or how to engage Facebook better. Just go and learn something that's, rather than sit and watch television one night a week, maybe just go on the internet and learn how to do something good on Facebook for your business, because that's where it starts. Bloody awesome. Nathan, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, head over to podcasts.nz. And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to gorillatechnology.com. See you next time.